Well, family, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, as some of you may be aware of, it's Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we remember in Acts chapter 1 and 2, where Jesus is ascending to heaven, and he, he promised that they were going to receive a gift. And he said, as a matter of fact, don't go anywhere until you receive the promise that you've been given. Stay put. He told them, go to the ends of the earth, but wait. And so they did. And it was today, Pentecost Sunday, the day that we remember. It's 50 days after Christ's resurrection from the dead, where he, has, he um, came down and ascended upon the people. And then we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. A lot of people know today as, they call it the birthday of the church. This is when the church was established, when his, the Holy Spirit came and actually dwelled within every believer, rather than learning about God or having God with us. Now God is in every believer. This is where he took our relationship to the next level. And, and this is what I want to suggest to us this morning. God wants more than just a relationship with you. He doesn't just want to know about us or even know us. He wants to work with us. He wants to partner with us. Man, when we stop and read the scripture from cover to cover, anywhere you look, this is what the Bible teaches us. He wants to partner with us. That's the very first thing, like you created all of this world and then put Adam and Eve on it. He said, now be fruitful. And he said, exercise dominion. And then, his, one of Adam's first jobs, go and name the animals. And it says in the scripture that the Lord watched to see what he would call the animals. He wants to partner with us. He wants to be involved with us. He wants to engage. It's not this distant thing where, you know, I know about that person, or, or I send him letters once in a while, there's, there's some distant communication. He wants to close the gap. And this is a gap that only came from the fall. This is a gap that didn't exist. We don't know the world without this gap. But it was created without it. And ever since it was instituted, the sin separated us from God. He has been working to close that gap and bring us together. This is the story of Jesus Christ and the gospel, the redemption of people coming to the Lord. And Pentecost is what un unlocked the ability of us to now come and be one with God as he is one within himself, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. This is Jesus' prayer. And that prayer was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came within us to make us one. And now for us, all that is left is to accept and to engage the invitation into this deeper relationship with him and to partner actively partner with him. Let's read a few verses out of Acts chapter 2. We're going to start this morning in verses 4, and we're going to go through 12 and take a little bit closer look at it. Now, Acts 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is immediately after the tongues came upon, the uh, tongues of fire came upon them, and they began preaching the gospel in foreign languages. Okay? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Got it. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, this mighty wind, they heard they saw the fire, they hear these foreign languages. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
They were utterly amazed, and they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Parthians, and he lists all these foreign countries, Parthians, the Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. He goes on and on, both Jews and converts to Judaism, and then Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Here's what's going on here. Let's, first, we're going to take a look. What are all these Jews from all these other foreign nations doing here? Why were they gathered from every nation? This was the Feast of Weeks. This was the season of Shavuot, which is the time that the, the Israelites would come together and remember what God did when he met them after he took them out of Egypt. He freed them from Egypt, and as they approached uh, the mountain of Sinai, this is where God met them through their leader, Moses. And as he met them there, he appeared to them in, imagine, wind and fire and spoke to the people there. So all of these Jews were gathering from all these foreign countries. They had emigrated and they're living in these other places. They made their home there. They speak these other languages. Now that's their native language in all these other countries. But they celebrate this feast in remembrance of God giving the Torah, the law, to their ancestors. So they come to Jerusalem, they celebrate this, and then they head back, and they go back to their homes. This is why there were so many people that had traveled and descended, and there were so many languages right in Jerusalem, tiny little Jerusalem. This is what they were all doing. They were celebrating this feast of weeks, what is also known as Shavuot. And so they were celebrating the reception of the law, right? So when they heard, think about this too, and the same thing with the disciples, they're in Jerusalem, they were told to wait till they received the promise, and they knew also that this Feast of Weeks was coming up. And so why were they all gathered in one place? Well, they were all gathered in celebration of this feast, remembering of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, when God first made his presence among the people. And so, if we get into the mindset of the disciples when they are in that place, and all of a sudden they hear a violent wind, and all of a sudden they see fire come down, what is this recalling? They, they were literally rehearsing this at the dinner right before it happened. They were just talking about and remembering how God first appeared in wind and fire and gave the people the Ten Commandments and initiated that relationship. They were just rehearsing this, and all of a sudden it happened again. Only this time it was different. Exodus 19, I want to read a few verses, 16 through 18. It says this, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. Here they are at the base of Mount Sinai. A thick cloud was over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain, and Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. He comes and meets the people, and symbolically it's in the presence. His presence is with fire. And if you think about this, we're talking about closing the gap between our, our walk and relationship with God. Sin created this gap, and now, as Israel, his chosen people, 
And he's going to bring salvation into the world. But he's starting with Israel. He frees them from slavery, brings them to this mountain, and meets them there. And it's the, his presence in fire that meets them. And if we watch the progression, he met them there at the mountain, affirmed that I will be your God if you will be my people. And then we see the progression later on. As they go from there, he gives Moses the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And what was part of the tabernacle? In the holy place, the flame would be ever burning. And so now it's just not at this mountain. The presence just isn't at the mountain. We know where God is. Now, with the tabernacle and that flame constantly going, now he just he comes with his people. And then fast forward to Pentecost. Now that fire is on and in every person. The gap keeps closing. And at Pentecost, it is one. We become one with the living God. And it's not just so that we know him. It's so that we work with him and engage him and partner with him in his mission of reaching this world and redeeming the world. Exodus 20, the next chapter, goes on in verse 18. This is kind of the people's reaction when they see all this stuff going on. Remember, they, were, they just crossed through the Red Sea. They see this miraculous thing. This is about seven weeks after they had been freed. And all of a sudden, they're at this mountain, and, and this insane occurrence begins to happen. And they're overwhelmed. Exodus 20, 18. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning, and they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen to you, Moses. But don't have God speak to us, or we will die. So here is God making himself present with the people. He says, I want to know you. He's offering a covenant relationship. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. Will you receive me? And here's their reaction. We'll accept it. We'll do whatever you say, but just don't talk to us. Talk to him. We'll obey him. They're looking for this man leadership because it's too terrifying for me. I can't handle it. I can't bear it. So yes, God, I, I accept whatever it is you're trying to give me, but just do it over there. Just give me instructions from a distance. The gap wasn't closed yet, and they couldn't bear it, even the thought. Just tell Moses what to do. We'll listen to him. We promise. We pinky promise. And so as God communicates with them, amidst this thunder and fire and this wind, the people are terrified. And still they say, okay, yes, we want this covenant. He's given them this opportunity for not just being their people, being his people, but to be working with him as a light to the nations. This is what Israel was called to be, to be a light to the nations to show these other foreign nations who God is. This is the one true God. There were foreign gods all over the place. Worshiping God was a regular thing in these times. Everybody worshiped some God, but not the almighty God. And this was God's way of revealing who he was to the entire earth by choosing some people, showing them what it meant to live for him, what it looked like, and now go into the world and do this. That is how you'll be my light. It's not just this, this intimate, this personal, this quiet relationship. Go partner with me and be my light. Let it shine through you. See, here's the thing I think about God. I, I don't think he's a fan of long-distance relationships. 
When the people respond and they say, we'll do whatever you say, but just don't talk to us. I, what do you think his response was? How do you think that made God feel like, it's not really what I was going for, but <laughs> I guess I'll take it for now. Baby steps. It's baby steps. <laughs> he doesn't want a long-distance relationship with us. And since, the, since the, the fall of man, he's been working to bring that relationship closer together. Has anyone ever been in a long-distance relationship? It basically consists of writing letters, texts, phone calls. So there's this communication, there, there's, this, there's this verbal or written communication that's happening, but where's the partnership? Where's the shared life? Where's the making memories together, living together? That doesn't happen with long distance relationships. That's why a lot of them don't work out. It's the sharing of life. God doesn't want a long distance relationship with us. That's why he gave us a spirit. We don't have to have that. So now that we have his spirit, Living in us, if we kind of ignore it, it's just kind of awkward because he's, he's right there. Like he's, he's right here, wherever you go. Like, man, I feel so distant from God. He's like, hello. What more can I do? I died for you. I sent you my spirit. I can't do it. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm working with you. I'm communicating to you. Work with me here, people. Give me something to work with. Give me something to bless. I've caught myself at times, like, saying, God, give me direction. What do you want me to do here? And, and sometimes it's just like, just do something. <laughs> just give me something to work with. I'll bless it. I love you. You'll make some mistakes. It's okay. Nothing to worry about. I expect you to make mistakes. It's not going to surprise me. But give me something to work with. Give me something so that I can teach and refine you. I want to partner with you. And this is the difference between remembering the original Shavuot of the giving of the law and starting that relationship and Pentecost Sunday when he came and dwelled among his people. That's when it went from the relationship being this distant thing through Jesus for those first disciples or just through the priests for the other people who came to follow Jesus. Now, there's no, there's no pattern you have to go through anybody because he's directly with us, communicating with us. This is why he said, it's good in John 16, 7. It's good that I go away. Why would it be good if he doesn't want a long-distance relationship? Because it was just through one man, through Jesus, right now, at the moment. It's good that I go away so that I can send my spirit. Every single one of you, no matter where you live in this earth, has a personal relationship with me. This is his desire. He wants you, personally. He wants us. Acts 2, going back 1 through 4, the, the, the way that chapter started. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and here it is. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just, as a quick little side note, a lot of people want to define what filled with the Holy Spirit looks like and means and it means simply this. Strip it down to the bare bones. He comes to take residence within you. The fire of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. It came to dwell in us. Let's just call it that. A lot of people have different ideas of what that looks like and say it's something that you can see or touch. And, and then if, if there's not the specific evidence, it's not there. I respect different people's opinions. That's fine. 
Here's what it means. He lives with you. He is in you. Okay? So he's communicating to the disciples, I want to be with you. I am in you. Here is my spirit. Now be a light to the nations. Now you've got what you were waiting for. Now you've got the promise. Now go. Now you can leave because now you're my partner and you have what you need this time to accomplish the mission. See, before, when they first met him at Mount Sinai, there was this relationship started, but they did not have the means to live up to that covenant. None of us can do it, but when we have the spirit, we can. Now you have what you need to live in a relationship with me and to partner with me. You've got my spirit. There's no one that, what else do you need? You have the living God present within us. There is nothing else that we need. This is the very thing that makes us stand out as believers from anyone in the world. It is the presence of God in us. And our role is to live according to that presence and what he's communicating in the depths of our spirit. That's it. It's so simple, and we're so painfully good at complicating it. It's so simple. It's so easy. Just live by my spirit. Just listen in. He's communicating. The hard part is when the world is constantly got all his messaging coming in this way and this way and this way, and we're trying to process this, and it's like, stop. Yes. Amen. Be still. Yeah. This is how I live. According to the spirit of God in me. My life is not directed and ordered by the pattern of this world. My life is ordered by the God living in me. And I live according to him and at his standard because that's what he's given me the power to do. Together, we are a new community of God. This is what even prayer is all about. A lot of people have heard ask the question, why don't we pray and ask God for things? He knows what we want. He knows what, he knows what I'm going to ask for anyway. Why do I have to put it into prayer and ask him? He wants to journey with us. He wants to hear us. He wants to be engaged. He said, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. Well, why doesn't he just do it? Why do I have to ask? He wants to work with us. I think about Ezekiel 37. Remember where uh, the God is speaking to Ezekiel, and he tells him, speak, he comes to a field of dry bones. And God didn't. He, didn't raise, he wanted these bones to come to life, but he didn't say, hey, Ezekiel, watch this, and then bring them to life. He said, hey, Ezekiel, speak to those bones. Tell those bones to, to grow muscle and sinew. Tell those bones to come back to life. And Ezekiel spoke to the bones, and they came back to life. Why? Because God wants to partner with you. He wants to work with you and through you. It's not us just sitting in the back like, wow, look at the wonders of God. That is brought to life through you now. We are literally the hands and feet meant to work and move in this world. Not to sit back and just say, oh, God, would you move on their behalf? Would you do something over there and over there and hey, there too? No, no. We have the ability to speak when he fills us. Why, can, why would he do anything we ask in his name? Because his spirit tells us what to ask for, and we just speak it out. And there it is. It comes to be. This is what we are called to do. So the, the initial disciples, they experience all this wild 
uh, presence of God coming for the first time. He's initiating his presence with his people. And all of these foreign Jews are here, and they're hearing the gospel, and they're converted. They're amazed. They say, what is this? Peter gets up, and he preaches a message, message and tells them what it's all about. And they say, our hearts are pierced. What can we do? What do we do? And he says, place your faith in Jesus and be baptized. Yeah. So the church is born on Pentecost Sunday when the believers, every individual one, come and are filled with the Spirit of God. And now, what did partnering with God look like? I just want to take the last few minutes here to say, what did partnering with God look like to these first disciples? They said that day alone, 3,000 people accepted Christ and became part of this new community of believers. Acts 2.42 shows us a little bit about what does it actually look like to partner with God. And I want to look at that with you before we close this morning. Acts 2.42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what it looked like in those first days of partnering with the Lord and being the people full of God's presence. This is what it looked like. Break down to the bare bones again, all right? Let's simplify. I, I know I've heard it said, if you can't explain something to a four-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. Mm -hmm. Let's simplify. It's just good to simplify. Do we really understand what we're talking about here? This is what it looked like to partner with God. It says that the believers, they came and they devoted themselves, they committed themselves to gather with the teaching, of the apostles for fellowship for sharing meals and for praying together now I, I just want to give you a picture um, can I get a few uh, boys to come up here real quick uh, you three right here and then uh, maybe Nezzy can you come up so look at let's just let's just do it this way okay he he calls together these, these people and here's how they express their partnering with the Lord they come together for fellowship they come together for Prayer, okay? They come together for sharing meals. Right here. Facing him. You're here. coming together. You're not going away. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> and they came together for the, for the teaching, to learn the word of God. Now, look at this. They all came together for these things. Now, when I think about this picture in my mind, just, just try to work with me here for a minute. They came together, it says daily, to do these things. And they came like this, so now they're together. But then it says, oddly, the Lord added to their number every day. So they're in their homes, and they're leaving their homes to go to the temple. They're constantly coming together to do these things. They're partnering with the Lord and saying, here's what we are. Let's learn about it. How do we do this? They're dedicated to it. And as they're coming together, the Lord just keeps bringing people in. The Lord is adding to their number. Now, somehow, somewhere along the way, we seem to have lost this dynamic. 
especially in our society. And, and here's why I say that. So often now, we are, we are, we are moved. We're this individualistic society where independence is honored. You're mature, aren't you? A grown adult? Figure it out. Independence and, and individualistic, like everything, just, just kind of fend for yourself. Do it. And if you can't do it yourself, you get something wrong with you. And so now that has bled into the church to say, okay, well, I'm going to commit to prayer, but I can pray on my own all the time. Well, I'm going to commit, I need to eat meals and then I'll bless my food and I'll, and I'll eat with one or two once in a while, but I'm going to, I don't need to come together to do that. I'm going to come and I'm going to learn about the word of God on my own. I can do that over here. And then, uh, what did I miss? <laughs> the teaching. Come over and, 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 and no, he, he was in the word. But you get my point. <laughs> the fellowship. They would come together just because they enjoyed being together. And so, somehow, some way, the pattern of this world has bled into the church where we see these concepts and we're encouraged to pray, to learn. We're encouraged to um, share meals together, but it's few and far between, and oftentimes it is alone. We were just talking about this this morning, about the importance of fellowship. That's the game changer. And that's the thing that's been broken up in this individualistic society where now the pattern of this world has become, in large part, the pattern of the church. God help us. And look at the result. As the church now has become individualistic and tends to do these things alone, is the Lord adding to the number? No. The numbers decline. Now we're on our own, and the influence and the reach and the impact, not only are the numbers not increasing, our own strength and our own faith is weakened because that's not the way we're made to be. We are made to be together, and as we come together according to the way that God has called us and empowered us to be, <laughs> this, this is what honors God, and then God adds to their number. When we just be who we are, keep it simple. It's so easy, but it's not according to the pattern of this world. That's what makes it hard, because it's not something we're used to. It's not natural. It's not the culture we grew up in. It's not even the culture of the church now. This is not the culture of the Christian church in the Western Hemisphere. This is our problem. Why are we so weak? Why do we have to spend millions of dollars on marketing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because we aren't doing it just by the way we live. God, help us. We are called to be together. He has closed the gap. And that means when we partner with him, we are with him, and we are with his people. One people, one Lord, one faith, one fellowship. This is who we are. You guys can grab a seat. And this is hard for us to accept, not only because it's countercultural to the Western church right now, but if we try to think about these concepts, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, that sounds time consuming. <laughs> Let's just be practical. Like, they met on a regular basis? Are you kidding me? To get into the Word and pray and to eat together? Like, this, don't they just need some personal time? <laughs> don't they just need to get away from each other sometimes? 
And it is extremely exhausting. Like, if we try to take these, these dynamics of what we're called to commit to, and we try to squeeze them into the dynamics of our life, that's exhausting. That's too much. It's incredibly time-consuming. How do we coordinate coming together for meals? I said, I don't do that. <laughs> how do we coordinate coming together on a regular basis to pray together, to wrestle through the word together? That can be overwhelming if we try to squeeze it and shape it and form it into our current way of life, the pattern of this world. But if these things are simply what we do because it's who we are and it's just how we live life, it becomes easy. It's simplified. They're no longer things that are being added into our schedule and our way of living. It is our schedule. It is our lifestyle. It's natural. It's not hard anymore. It's just what we do. This is just how, what it looks like to be a son of God. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only son of God. The family of God comes together. Do we learn, do we grow, do we mature together? Scriptures say, as you know, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And this is the hard part, because the enemy over the course of time, so much time, has slowly bled in, and the pattern of this world has melded into the pattern of the church. And oftentimes we think we're doing things so differently. Oh, we see the light, but we blend right in. We're living according to the patterns of the world, and, we, and God has called us out of it. We don't fit in, in the pattern of this world anymore. Mm -hmm. With the presence of the Spirit in us, it doesn't We try, we try to be different by adding these components into our lives. We're going to only make it harder for ourselves. And we're going to miss out, really, the fullness of the blessing that is found on the other side of actually living a lifestyle like this. And I speak, here's how I, I share this, and I want to full, full transparency. I share this in complete faith. And, and standing on the word of God, taking that at face value. I don't share this from a 100% life experience. Hey guys, look at what I've learned. This is what I'm trying to learn. This is what I'm trying to grow. And I'm trying to break out of this pattern, pattern of this world. And what I'll tell you is that it is a process and it is not a comfortable one. Yeah. We're breaking the mold. Yeah. And it's not something that's been done in the Western Hemisphere in the time that we're living in. It's not normal. It looks weird, it's frustrating, and I just want to just take it easy. But the Spirit didn't come to dwell in me to do something that's easy. God gave us what we need to do what we have to do. And it's hard and impossible without the Spirit of God. And so this is why we have the Spirit. Family, we have to commit ourselves to live by the power of the Spirit. When things become hard, lean into him. Share with him, this is what I'm experiencing, God. This is how I'm feeling. I need you to do something. Because my power has reached its max. I have no more capacity. We've got to become skilled in tuning into the power of the Spirit and letting that power be what energizes us and moves us forward. This, I feel, is what we are being called into as a people. Live by his Spirit. And trust that the result 
is not only going to be good for us, we're going to find that, that good rhythm, that divine rhythm we're called into, but we're going to glorify God. God will be glorified because he sees our hearts. He sees that we're given everything, and he will see us through because your God and my God will never fail us. He will carry us through on every single account. And I do mean every single account. In other words, when we're off and we're wrong, but he sees our heart, our motive, our intention, God's blessed. He saw the intention. And so maybe it was wrong, and that's where his spirit will come in and teach and correct, but he's glorified in it because he saw my heart. God will be glorified in us, family. We are his people, and he is our God. And that gap has been closed. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not making this a long-distance relationship, but for, but for bringing us past that and making us one. It's so, it's so mind-blowing that like we think about your prayer, Jesus, in John 17. This was before Pentecost. You prayed that the Father would make us one with you and one another, with the same unity that you share with the Father. And then the Spirit came and fulfilled the prayer. And now we have this ability, and here we are, and I feel like so, so often we are missing out just because we're not living by your spirit. And that's what it takes to live in that oneness. Uh, so Holy Spirit, we call upon you, and every single one of us, Holy Spirit, show us these things that you're calling us into, and I pray that you would fuel us with the power that we need. It's only your ability that can do it. So we call on you, Holy Spirit, to activate within us to take us into these new places. We will be your people. We will uh, answer your call. And we will only accomplish it because of what you do. So we surrender and subject ourselves to you, Jesus. Have your way and be glorified. Have your way and be glorified. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.